is The Hunch. It's a podcast where me and my colleagues talk about unwieldy and awkward topics that pertain to marketing, but that don't fit neatly into any single brief or client that we deal with. Um, I think sometimes we love our industry and sometimes it creeps us out and makes us feel gross. And we would, as marketers, like to change that and make our industry better. So our nebulous hope putting this out is that somewhere in our rambling conversations, we will say something insightful that turns into our industry getting better. I couldn't have put it any better myself. Hey. Uh, so I'm Alice, I'm the strategist at NGO, and um, this is Nigel. Hello, my name is Nigel Clifton. I'm head of creative at N2O and we'll also be introducing uh, Tina Thompson, who's our uh, digital strategy director, and also Olivia Rayner, who's a creative director. In one line, what are we talking about today? When the right to peaceful protest is threatened, is there space for brands to help defend it? Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy our discussions and welcome to The Hunch. So I'll ask a question, Alice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know necessarily the answer. Why is there an expectation from me as a protester to expect that brands should join me? Where does that come Like there isn't. And I think there are a lot of protests where brands may not belong. I haven't really considered the appropriateness of a brand showing up at a protest before this moment. I think it's the particular conjunction of seeing brands capitalise on a protest that succeeded and then the enormous ongoing implications of a country losing its right to peaceful protest without threat of ambiguous arrest. I, I think that to me seems like a turning point that if people aren't feeling unsettled by now, they might feel unsettled by when they start to see the consequences of that. And I think it's something so apolitical and so drastic um, that particularly when people are struggling to find a safe and effective way to oppose what what's being forced upon them, it's there's just a moral need for anyone who could possibly help to try to mainstream and normalise the conversation around resisting that before it's too late. And I think this is where like a brand's involvement in a protest needs to move beyond brand personality and messaging and what would our brand do or say if it was a camel or what would our brand do or say, what would his name be? What what trainers does he wear? And I think actually it, it in this particular rare case, it doesn't matter because it's just it's morally necessary for someone to get involved. It's so personal isn't it these things are so yeah. personal to people you're literally touching the innards of, of, of what they're thinking and it's such a difficult place to maneuver in because it's so personal it can go one way or the other can't it so it's so delicate but it, feels a bit, it feels a bit like if you're stripping it down to purely I'm a massive powerful brand I have all these avenues to influence how am I going to use those to help this cause? It doesn't have to be complicated, actually, because if you strip out all the bollocks around, you know, oh, well, you know, like you say, we need to appear fluffy and that's our, you know, mindset and la 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 la. It's about a cause. You're, you have a platform and a way to create change and allow people to have a voice. What are you going to do about it? So how can brands, what kind of powers do they have? I've seen particularly on social media, people handing over their social media to 
different voices throughout a campaign that means that they're getting in front of certain audiences that they might not necessarily get in front of normally that to me on a really straightforward level felt completely perfect for what for how they should be getting involved in protests because you're not necessarily giving a huge opinion beyond enabling people to be able to have a say which if we're restricting protest and you know clipping what you're allowed to do is what you know it can't be noisy it can't cause disruption which is completely contradicts a protest then how can brands use their platform what can they do well that's kind of the point isn't it about there. the reason for a protest is people feel that they don't have a voice essentially if you can give them a voice on a platform that is the reason for a protest. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be out on the streets protesting if you had a massive platform and a massive brand, you know, being able to essentially take over that and, and have a voice. But so I think that's a really good example of how protesting can be peaceful and it can be, you know, lawful and it can be effective if you're targeting, again, if you're targeting the right audience, if that brand, that following is the right audience to understand that protest and have those shared values. But I guess the point of a protest is that people that had a singular voice suddenly feel like they've got other people that are backing them up. So you're actually bringing people physically into a space which has a huge amount of power and you all have a united voice. How do brands, how can brands enable that, the, the coming together of people in order to have a shared sentiment or shared cause because that's what generates the power and that's what pe gives people confidence to to actually speak up because they know that they are surrounded by like-minded people if we're all sat in our homes or going about our business how do we know that we have a voice in the space how can brands create those spaces to bring people together mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think they can create that feeling of a united voice. They can do that, I mean, possibly by acting physically in an environment, but also a lot of the um, reasons why people would disruptively gather to, um, you know, cause annoyance to an organisation or whatever the wording was, I think is because they need to mainstream the consciousness of the fact that something's going wrong. And that's we've seen that become massively effective um, in the past year. And I think... Brands definitely, you know, one of the main ways that they operate and one of the main ways that we operate as agencies is we're, we're able to we're able to mainstream ideas. We're able to mainstream ideas as uninteresting as, you know, how a fizzy drink tastes or what the chemical composition of an alternative milk is or whatever. So if we're able to mainstream ideas like that, then we're sitting on a reservoir of enormous power, which while it might not immediately target and please a particular niche audience to, to use that power responsibly, I think if we started to behave in ways that are just motivated by what's fundamentally healthy for society on something as as hopefully uncontroversial as this, then yeah, of course enemies will be made and of course there'll be a couple of accusations of hypocrisy, but long term you could start to build a more trusting relationship between businesses and how individuals see them. Mm. So not so brands not necessarily being the hero of this, but just the enabler, the sort of bringing together or a platform or a voice or just a place where you can bring in a big, big hitter, you know, to help support a goal is quite a nice way, isn't it? It is. Of a brand. Exactly. It takes away that um, 
the fact that we'd all be very sceptical about why they were being involved, because actually if there's no visible benefit to them and they're purely enabling a space, I'm going to be naturally more on their side because I'll think, actually, you're not just doing this to get to gain a profit. It feels like you're actually genuinely doing this to use your power to support a cause. Yeah, they have to have a general, they have to, it has to be ingrained in the way that they structure themselves and what they believe is a business, though. Otherwise, we're a little bit cynical, aren't we? I think we are. (laughs) I think, I mean, the thing is, Things like how your business is structured and how it operates and who's employed there, those are things that can change in the course of a a year. They can change over the course of half a decade. And these brands are mostly decades old, you know. And I think if we if we start to say that the most powerful brands can't be hypocritical by trying to change their ways, then I mean, that's that's limiting social progress then. Absolutely. Yeah about whistleblowing isn't it essentially in terms of if you know social media opens a platform for all sorts of voices so if that voice is not necessarily directed in a way that a brand would like to like if it's an employee or something like that and suddenly you've got this big campaign of this takeover and we love all of this and you've got this whistleblower going in and going no they don't so that's why it's got to be consistent throughout not just marketing but throughout the culture of the business otherwise it's again disingenuous and inauthentic and I think being an enabler is probably is the best way of you know essentially being part of it but at the heart of it you still have to have the right culture you still have to have that consistency in terms of who you are as a brand in order to connect with that thing and and not just for it to be part of you know I'm jumping on it because everyone else is but if there's no connector there's still no authenticity and I think that's as important as enabling people. Well that's good because we've got a clear connector here because one of the main ways that protests are being derailed by this policing bill is the idea that they it's not okay for them to disrupt the actions of an organisation and these are organisations so I'd say there's never been a more relevant connector for every brand. (laughs) Yeah absolutely and I you could use you could probably use the cause as a center point and then have your outward facing change and your inward facing change can you so you could say what am i doing out to the world in society and how can i help and enable smaller voices but then also in my organization within my brand how we behave how can we start to make change there as well so it feels like using it as a bit of a center point would be a you know a bit of a starting point wouldn't it Hmm. I think I think the challenge is that most brands are superficial, right? And the reason that people march on things is because it's a human right and they've got a real passion. And, and I think those two have got to be really carefully worked out about what, how they both benefit from joining forces, I suppose. And then I think with some protests, we've seen that the more brands that get involved, even if it's an amazing protest, then suddenly, because there's lots of brands in it, it raises it up to its superficial yeah. level again you know and suddenly we're we, we've just got a parade of fun and uh you know and marshmallows and balloons in terms of just jumping onto something i would say the only time that we've really seen brands show up at a you know protest quote unquote is at pride where you know it's largely agreed upon kind of universal truth that this is a nice thing and you know it was a protest and at that point the brands were nowhere to be seen and Nigel you said that brands are superficial and I suppose this is where I wonder sometimes if our own cynicism gets in our way slightly because like yes a brand is a big kind of 
system that's designed to make money and feed off of things and get bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's ultimately the people who operate that brand are still largely humans. It's still largely humans, not bots. And they're people who need that money for things like happiness and adventure and optimism and their families and stuff. At which point you start to wonder, like even the most powerful stakeholders in these brands, they're people who presumably have children, grandchildren, want those children and grandchildren to be safe in a democracy, want those children and grandchildren to, you know, be able to see a tiger on a David Attenborough documentary without being told that it's, you know, the last one or something. These are like all universal human things and the people operating brands are human. So I think there is a chance for genuine integrity and not just kind of performative yeah. courtship of and I agree with that. And I, the individuals from those brands at the weekend who want to then join the parade, then that's absolutely fine. I suppose my question was, or my, my point is, why do we look to our brands as, as, as part of an extension of me? And why do I need them to be in that environment? When actually power of the people is probably, you know, good enough. Or do I consider now that I'm an integral, I'm joined at the hip with my four or five uh, video streaming companies and I expect them to represent me as a, you know, a, a, a beta male, whatever it might be. Because it's certainly not alpha, that's for sure. So I think there's, there's a difference between expecting a brand to be accountable for the fundamental safeties of a society that they as a very powerful monetary and communicative entity can influence there's a difference between expecting some accountability and some action there and expecting them to be an extension of who you are again it's about emotional connection i think and it's a uh, belief is power right to believe in something is really quite powerful it's caused wars it's caused all sorts of things so belief it is is, is power and I think if you, there's a more imperative, yes, but if you're dipping in and out of that and just taking it as needed and thinking you're going to have the power if you do it once and if you do it consistently, it, it's not a belief system anymore, is it? It's it's something that feels quite fake. So the moral imperative there, almost it's almost damaging morality than it is actually enabling it because it feels fake and it almost makes the belief feel fake do you know what i mean so if for example taking i don't know me too movement that's a really powerful movement that's a really important message behind that movement but the problem was because everyone got on that bandwagon and there's a number of others i'm sure i can mention it almost turned the belief the message which was so important to morality and everything else commercial mm -hmm. so when that happens, you know, it's almost, you know, Nigel, like you were saying, I think there's actually a more imperative for brands to stay away. Not I don't think there is. I think I think I don't think anyone should be removed from the conversation. I think all brands represent humans that live within the brands, use their brands. I don't think anyone should be removed. It shouldn't be, oh, you're more of a brand that I have a, a sort of image affinity with than you know a chocolate brand that I just stuff on a Saturday night it, it doesn't matter they all have a responsibility as organizations that represent the people and have power and make money to get on board with you know common causes and make a difference and I and I think we use the word bandwagon as as a sort of derogatory term but actually if we flip that we could say brilliant you've got mass participation 
in a common cause, which is making it then a mainstream sentiment because not it's not just something that niche brands getting involved with. Everybody's saying it's not acceptable. So therefore, the common sentiment is that it's not acceptable. And that becomes a mainstream view. So by saying, oh, you're allowed because, you know, you're this type of brand, you're not allowed, you don't have a voice. Actually, make a committed change. Look at yourself and then look at the world. What are you going to do about it? And then that has a huge amount of power and influence over everything, right? Yeah. I'd agree with that statement, but also I would say that you've got to think about why would people share something, you know, and people don't share on the basis of a crowd. They share on the basis of a unique something, you know, something that is cool. Something that, you know, is is shareable. When it comes from one person, one voice, it's cooler than if it comes from a crowd. And I don't like using that word cool because it's not quite right, but it's just in terms of how people think in terms of is that something I want to share? Is that something that I want to give a voice to? And I just think when brands all jump, I'm not going to use that word, but when brands all jump onto something at once, I almost feel like there's a moral imperative for certain brands not to do that because they're almost taken away from the conversation by making it a commercial entity and it's making it a brand, making that protest into a brand in itself, which is essentially sold by, you know, people in order to jump onto things. And, and that is what happens. Suddenly that word appears across every single brief or words, you know, everyone's doing it, everyone's doing it in different ways, and the message gets diluted. So it's whether or not, you know, we feel morally, we don't want to dilute that message, and we want that message to get out the way it is, and for people to believe in that, or whether we all want to jump onto that and take all our different spins on that message, but I think it does dilute it. Well, I think the idea that a brand has to have its own spin on a message or try to have ownership of the message or try to be liked, found cool or shared on social media because of the message is very much in the school of thought that currently controls like moral actions by brands, which is that you can do them to win with Gen Z or something. And I think like so even when we see like Nike doing something admirable, which it was, and it made me like them, I think we all kind of looked at what happened to the share prices afterwards and what the polls said and what happened. We were like, isn't it, have, have they profited from that or not? I wonder if they'll do it again. And I think like to come back to Olivia's point, if you're the, the main idea of a protest, especially when you're trying to defend people's safety, you know, like people's safety to be protected by police forces, governments, organizations, then the most the most important thing is giving smaller voices who have less ability to mainstream their point because they've got, you know, organisations like Fox News or Donald Trump's Twitter account pushing against them. I think obviously those are organisations with massive power that have the explicit remit of like trying to distort narratives and trying to, you know, act against the interests of people. And we can like, I, again, I don't think that's controversial. We know that that's, that's how societies work. And therefore, I think... Olivia, you said like brands serve all of the people who buy them. They've like they need to earn their place in their lives. And so it shouldn't be about a kind of short term. What would our brand do? What would our brand say? How can this be cool? It should just be, you know, if you, a hygiene factor of existing in society. I think a lot of people within an organisation are probably quite passionate about the beliefs within that organisation. If they've sort of got that joined up culture 
But I think a lot of organisations are really scared to put their beliefs out there in the system in case everyone doesn't agree with it. Mm. Was Emma Thompson who flew first class across the country to go and sit in the tent outside St Paul's with the the, uh, protesters, you know, belief did. I mean, it just felt like, oh, my goodness, you know, you couldn't get it more wrong. Um, and I think that's the bit that we don't give us a reason to question them. Make, let us look to them because we think that they have a, something to say in that arena, because that's what you've been telling me. And that's why I've been following you or that's why I love you as a brand. There's an expectation there that you now need to represent your consumers or the people that love you as a brand because you've been transparent about what makes you tick. Yeah, what makes you human? B Corps are quite an interesting subject. We probably haven't got the time to, to talk about them now, but B Corps are, if suddenly you, you become a B Corp and you get on the list, your sales are quadrupling at the moment because people, because there's a kite mark that where I, oh, I trust you because, you know, um, but that's really important. So, you know, and the, the companies which are keeping away from that, the big companies, you know, the, the corporates and the, and the stuff like that, that are so far away from being B Corp or even having a voice. You know, they're the ones, they're the brands that need to be really careful and have a plan, I think, you know. Yes, but this is why that kind of consistency and authenticity needs to be forward looking and not backward looking, because if if it's backward looking and like, well, we've done bad things before, we're not perfect yet, so we can't purport to do anything moral. And if we do, it has to be incredibly, incredibly gradual to avoid anyone calling us hypocritical. Then that's a bit like me arriving at a party with a bucket of shit, throwing it all over everything and being like, I'm going to clean that up gradually so that you still think I'm a cunt for two months like it just doesn't make any sense and the, like the purpose of the protest is to very quickly and very suddenly bring a a point of view to people's attention so why wouldn't you act quickly and suddenly if it's suddenly brought to your attention it makes no sense to go oh my god there's a huge problem with sexism I'll, I'll only compliment four people on their bottoms today uh, rather than five that I was going to compliment it's like just stop doing it how about that? That's a better thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. We'll start, we'll start there, but don't jump in and say, hey, look at us, you know, yeah, or, change, or change the, the model in your TV advert or the, you know, that is just, it's just marketing bullshit, right? Or be blatantly obvious. It's like, look, world, we've done this. It's like, mm. see, you've done it, you know, and we actually felt better when you don't tell us that we've done this, we've done this investment, you should be doing it. So it's like, you know, I, th- I think that is really important as well. When I talk about the switch, obviously, like Black Lives Matter, if it's consistent and it's not branded, then it feels more authentic. But if it's just a case of, you know, we've turned it on, but then look, world, we've done this, that is when it becomes slightly more fake and slightly more, um, you know, less human, dare I say. And, and I, think, I think people today realise that, businesses are flawed and they don't mind it they don't mind them owning up to their mistakes what they want to see is how they're going to change it in the future like you said yeah. so what was it you said that is forward forward thinking as opposed to yeah like a forward-looking authenticity. Yeah. but yeah. that has to start from a forward place which i think we all agree on yeah. so how do we conclude <laughs> i think the last we- I would like to clarify is that I think a brand showing up at a protest has only really physically happened with Pride, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, as far as brands are concerned, not a protest. And they know that they're not taking any risks there and they know that they're not helping anything. And they kind of know that they're taking away from the magic of that kind of party for the people that it's for. And I think the 
the kind of UK event that has triggered this conversation with us is it's a very different thing. You know, it's it's something that isn't necessarily mainstream, that isn't getting the coverage that it needs and where people could actually benefit from a brand being involved. And at that exact moment where they could benefit from a brand's involvement, brands are nowhere to be seen because we've got this cynical kind of, oh, let me do it if it brings me a short term spike in, you know, lining up with my brand beliefs or lining up with our brand personality or targeting this demographic. And I think that's what we have all agreed could valuably change and could, if, if it was done consistently in the long term, completely shift people's relationships with brands and mean that they are not coming from a, a baseline of distaste. If brands want to be authentic, I think that they have to, like you say, forward think. They have to think sort of a year ahead. If I'm going to be at Pride, I need to start changing things now. If it's not aligning with what Pride is or what customers' beliefs of what Pride are, um, you know. And I think that's potentially what's missing. Like I said, it's the short-term thinking. It's the oh, we're going to miss out on this opportunity for commercial reasons if we don't do it. Um, need to think of it. Need to think of it as more of a long-term belief system and a short-term commercial opportunity. And maybe that belief system doesn't have to be always be something complicated or divisive. There can just be, you know, common decency, like protecting people's right to peaceful protest, which really shouldn't be a left or right wing or youth or old people kind of like divisive concern. That's something we can all agree is really important. Yeah. And the majority of these protest, topic, uh, um, protest topics are what is right we should be more diverse um, in terms of gender, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of disability. These are these should be mainstream topics. And the fact that we're having to protest is is nuts. And really, a lot of these brands should already have a gauge on the fact that they, these are the right things to do anyway. So in summary, I think we could all agree that there are complexities and tactical considerations for brands getting involved in social justice. Um, those don't mean that brands shouldn't and there will continue to be pressure for brands to do the right thing. Um, I personally believe that the set of lenses that brands apply to getting involved needs to shift um, from a set of considerations around how they look to a, a set of considerations around how they make an impact, how they can help. Um, so that's that's where we'll leave things. And so. In answer to the question which you posed at the beginning, uh, when the right to, to peaceful protest is threatened, is there space for brands to help defend it? You would say? Like, unequivocally, yes. Just don't be a dick about it, really. <laughs> Perfectly and beautifully put, as always, Alice. Thank we you. Should have, that should have just been the whole thing. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just leaves me to say, I hope you've enjoyed our conversations, uh, discussions hunches and notions on subjects. Uh, we very much enjoyed discussing them um, and uh, we'll be discussing other elements or topics that uh, frustrate or challenge us uh, in the near future. So if you've got any comments, please contact us on our link. In addition to telling us if you've got any stuff that you want us to think about or talk about or things that you wish you could say or change about marketing, um, if you see any kind of opportunities for us to act any of this out or, or make any positive changes to the industry we would be up for hearing about that as well absolutely absolutely thank you alice thank you nigel you too bye bye see you soon for more hunches <laughs>